You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, Grab your mouse and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, episode number 335. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media. Well, this time last week, I was in Ohio. That was fun, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was great Great having you here. It was a blast to get to hang yeah. with you. It's been way too long. Yeah. We're going to try and make it annual. That would be amazing. Yeah. It would be. Yes. It would be. And I'll, this next time, it'll just be a um, you know, business because really, what else do I need other than to have to meet with my co-host? That's right. We have to we have to strategize SEO strategies stuff. And even do an episode. <laughs> as long as I do one there, here we go. There you go. <laughs> All right. So, but, but you were here because of the content marketing world, which was That's actually right. kind of fun. Yeah. 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 It was good. We, we did interviews of uh, the various stakeholders there and, um, uh, we found it a bit repetitive, but it kind of makes sense. Obviously, it's all about content, um, and there's only so much you can talk about. <laughs> I tell you what, though, the, I, it was my second time at that show. The first time seemed a little bit bigger than it was this year, but that that show's still a lot bigger than most of the search shows are these days. The yeah. search shows have gotten a lot smaller, and, and content marketing world was rather large compared to any of those shows. For sure. At least the ones we remember, not that we go to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, those they, they've, they're past their heyday now. Uh, I'm sure there's some good ones still, but <clears throat> most of them seem to be in Europe, uh, a lot of the bigger ones. I know. We need to get over there. That's what we should do. We should meet up in, like, Germany. That would be a blast. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I'd pretty much go anywhere. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, it was a great time. We had good food. Uh, lots of driving, yeah. which I know you like to do, but wow, that was a lot of driving. Um, yeah, well, we're we're a, we're a driving place. Well, I live an hour from where the show was, and you were staying with me, so we had to drive to get there. <laughs> it was still yes. fun. It was. It was very fun. Okay, well, we got lots to talk about. Um, I guess we kind of covered content marketing world, but the synopsis was content. 
really, it was just, I don't really understand why it needs its own show, honestly. Well, I'll I mean, tell you I, what, I, yeah. There were a lot more SEO vendors there than I thought there would be. SEM Rush was there. Um, the Hoth was there. Um, who is it? The uh, Search Metrics was there. Conductor mm-hmm. was there. So there was a lot of, it seems like the people are starting to, to, to understand, not necessarily understand, but that world, that content creation world, is starting to really grasp on to, to SEO. Because none of those vendors were there the first time I went. And that was only a couple of years ago. Right? Okay. So I think I think that's happening, and a lot of the vendors and a lot of the talks and discussion was around technology around content, which I thought was kind of interesting. There was a lot of talk about artificial intelligence related to content. Um, I, th- I I think it deserves its own show, but the thing to me was a lot of the people we interviewed, a lot of people we talked to, were talking about content marketing is the new marketing. Well, duh. <laughs> content I mean it's marketing it has it right in its name content marketing <laughs> <laughs> yeah I you know it, it, it was uh, you know you can't blame them they're salespeople and and they had to, to pitch it hard but yeah, uh, yeah and, and, and they were great people wow very intelligent very well spoken and, and that you know that made it quite enjoyable but uh, yeah 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 there was a lot of that but uh, Tina Fey was okay that was okay I wish it was more of a keynote than the keynote they said it would be um it was yeah. more of an interview but uh it was it was, it was worth certainly worth attending yeah I'm, I'm on the same page i thought tina Fey would be a little bit better and she probably would have been if she would have just been up on stage by herself but the interview was interesting i think the the questions might have been a little better i don't know there was something off about it in my mind but yeah. she she was it was <clears throat> neat to see it it's really neat to see her definitely okay so uh next up Google My Business adds localized business names. Uh, this was kind of interesting. I, I saw it as well. Um, it's been out a couple months, but uh, essentially um, where you're from, if you go to look at a Google My Business listing, you can add the local way or, or slang or div- the div- various foreign well, way of stating what the name of the business is. It's not the slang. It's it's basically based on the, the, what the location. And you can't do it inside the local business dashboard the only place you can do it is if you're edit, you, you try to edit a listing in the search results which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting as well because hmm. so, it's like they have the capability but they're not going to give you the capability in your dashboard you have to go to the local results to, to actually make that edit yeah within the uh, knowledge panel is it wait a second uh, yeah. I, I, what about yeah. I haven't seen it yet Letting him edit the McDonald's location, also enter the Russian version of the name. Um, yes, yeah, so it's an edit of Google My Business right. listing. So, right, okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> I don't know how much help it is, but uh, I like it, the fact that it, you're able to place the Russian version of it or the name. So that was cool. It is in, yeah, in Russia and it was in, in English, so it didn't make much sense, did it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I think I think it's when people overseas outside of the U.S. We live in our own bubble, and be, and, not, and maybe not just the U.S. Maybe it's even English-speaking nations mm-hmm. don't see this as often because it really is related to the language. So uh, we we live in an English-speaking bubble. So there's things like this that probably aren't really obvious to us. That are there. There's people listening to the show right now that that live in you know non-English-speaking countries that are like, duh, I see that all the time. So. <laughs> I wonder if they uh, are proofing the Russian version of the name for it's not Mc, McShitties or uh... <laughs> well the, 
they're, they're, Google is actually pretty good at language. I bet they could they can handle that. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we'll see. Okay, now this next bit, I, the title kind of got me because I'm not a, 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 a gambler per se, but uh, the, the question was good. Is SEO table stakes? It was rent, uh, uh, written by Simon Hesseltine, or Hesseltine, I don't know how we say that name. Uh, Simon's great, though. Always, we've, we've mentioned it before and given him props for great articles, and, and this is yet another. Um, and essentially what it comes down to is that, and, and I'll read this, I've highlighted a few quotes here. So one, you'll have folks who are doing SEO but aren't explicitly SEOs. Oh, I should pre-note that this is for corporations. Following the 80-20 rule, these people will be able to do 80% of the SEO, content, keyword research, meta tags, and internal linking work. That is great until something goes wrong and you need someone around who can do the harder 20%, unquote. Um, the, so what he's over, overarching topic here is that he's finding that companies are actually uh, dropping their SEO teams in favor of people who have been trained in SEO to cut costs because they feel that SEO just, you know, it's not nearly as complex as it used to be. It doesn't, it's not as necessary because people already understand the basics just inherently now in their jobs. Well, like you said though, there's that 20%. Sure, there's, and there's also, another thing he notes in this article, which is important, is that there are changes and the teams don't have time to keep on top of that. Um, and if you fall behind the eight ball, especially in a bigger business, which has multiple locations perhaps, or a, a big game website, you're going to fall behind the competitors who may be on top of this or should be. So it, it's, uh, yeah. Another thing I think companies are doing is relying more on consultants as opposed to agencies for that same reason. They'll have people in-house in doing stuff that's the, the basic 80% that you were talking about, but then they'll keep a, a consultant on retainer or whatever to keep everybody updated, to, to to quality control check the work that their internal teams do, and then to answer those really tough questions when problems arise. That's happening a lot too. Yeah. So he says, uh, one of the other quotes here is, uh, summarizes it well. It says, a lot of companies eliminating multiple SEO positions do not understand the need for a person who can do the hard part since they see 80% adequately working, unquote. Adequately, I think, is a key term there. A lot of time it is only adequate. There's so much more they could be doing. And I, well, whatever, it's job security. Because as he says later, pay now or pay me later. <laughs> yeah. It, it, think about it kind of like automobile maintenance, right? That an average person is, can change the oil, can can uh, change the air filter, can put gas in the car, can do all that basic stuff that keeps the car running. But, but when something breaks hard, you can't do it yourself. You need a professional to deal with it. And it's kind of the same way. Or you could even take it to the next level if it's a person who's the actual mechanic, who's a mechanic but isn't active, you know, who just knows how to maintain his car, can change the odd thing, but, you know, things change. Uh, there may be uh, recalls. There may be um, certain new parts that you should be using versus other parts. Uh, that 20% can be absolutely critical. You don't want to yeah, lose I, your own car. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I used to be. I, I've changed many an alternator in cars when I was young. I can't even find the alternator in my car now. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And when you know HTML5 coming, well, it's technically here, but it's it's certainly not adapted to all browsers yet. Um, there's a lot of changes always coming. Uh, in fact, I had a client the other day 
Um, and this always cracks me up a bit. Uh, sad that we keep running into it, but it's very common, especially in, in smaller businesses that I deal with. Um, it's been about four or five, no, maybe, oh God, even, it could be longer, five years since we, we helped him with his website and optimize it. He just had it built. And he says, you know, I realized that I need to update myself, my website every 10 years. <laughs> And then he goes on to why. I'm like, um, <laughs> well, it's not really true. And uh, yeah, and, and I'm still trying to convince him. It's pretty funny. Uh, I'm way ahead of the game. I posted a blog post two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's still it's it's a bit hard to fathom when they still don't get it after you explain it a few times. It's like you know, if if you really want to be. And, you know, his site's still not mobile friendly. It's still not SSL. It's still um, using higher, really, the site speed's awful. Uh, all these things, I'm like, well, we could fix each one of them, which is what he wants us to do, and I think that's great. But really, your site just needs an overhaul. Do you really want us to just cobble together something? Back to the car analogy, do you want to just replace 90% of your car? <laughs> and leave your structure yeah. crap? <laughs> no. You want to replace the whole thing. It's going to cost you um, probably less or just a tiny bit more for a way better product. Anyway, uh, it cracks me up. I'm still dealing with it. Still trying to explain. And hopefully he will just... I mean, we're going to do it either way. We're going to help him out. But uh, he, he definitely needs to get a little more education on that part. Um, I was saying to him that it should be a rolling... Ideally, it should be rolling updates to your site both technologically and content-based. But also, um, you know, if you are going to stay somewhat static, which I understand he is because he's not fully online, like he doesn't update it all the time as much as he, he should, um, I would say two years is the limit. What do you think? I mean, it depends on your definition of update. And you, you touched on it a little bit. If you're talking about technical and visual and your website look and feel, you know, every few years is, is good. But if you're talking about content, you know, you do need to publish new content. You need to stay on top of that. You need, need to do that on a regular basis. I mean, I, I get I get hives when people say we update our blog post once a month. That's not nearly enough. You know, mm. but but if you're talking, you got to break those two things apart. Content updates is separate from website design, look and feel updates. Website design, look and feel, and technology and that stuff, every few years is probably plenty. Um, content itself, you need to do that very frequently often mm -hmm. and it, 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 a, a big deciding factor here is how often you know how big a site you've got whether or not it's got commerce involved um, whether or not uh, you're in a market which is getting more competitive um, you know there's just there's a lot of factors to consider but overall yeah. Uh, yeah our overarching I think two maybe three years is fine um, and I'm not saying you have to redo your entire site uh, but refresh it at the very least and certainly I, take a, a core look at your technology. I, li I like to think of websites as the fingerprints of the internet. Not one of them are the same. And every one of them has different needs and different situations they have to deal with. And so there, there's not really a blanket this is how this is this is how often you have to update this is how often you have to do this this is what you it to me it changes based on the website based on the people running the website the business itself the, the business niche they're in the competition there's so many factors to determine what you need to do with your website awesome <clears throat> okay well this next bit just blew my mind i'd missed this um 
So the European Parliament has backed a, a major and highly restrictive copyright directive. Um, so we know about GDPR to a degree. Most people have at least heard of it. Um, and I know we're going to get into that in a second here for the Mueller files. But in this case, this is a bit different. This is major. So what they're saying here, and it, it still has to be passed in the individual countries, but the overall EU has approved that people would website owners will require permission and licensing and and to pay licensing fees when they use a snippet of content from uh, well anyone but essentially from news providers is who they're focused on so if you copy a snippet from um, an article on a local newspaper that's online then you'd have to get permission and pay a fee uh, but the key here is now that's annoying enough but the biggest deal here is is, is that Google, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all these guys are going to have to monitor this. And if they don't act on it, they're liable. <laughs> I can't believe it. They also have other types of copyright infringement they're going to have to watch out for, again, which they're going to be liable for. I mean, it's, it's a hellish rat's nest. It's, I don't know how they're going to do this. It's, it's, there's no way it ever can be enforced. It, well, you know they're going to do as much as they can. They're just vicious over there in this stuff. Yeah, see, to me, I just don't get this because what they're doing as the EU, as they're doing this, they're trying to protect business, and I get that. They're trying to protect newspapers, which it's like, okay, you know, if you compare it to other tech, technological advances, newspaper to internet is just a technological advance, right? Well, it could just um, be a news online is what they mean too, though. Either way, they're still trying to protect these newspapers more than anything. And just the idea of them doing this, the things they're doing with GDPR, the things they're doing, while they're trying to do it in the name of protecting business, what they're doing is hurting the ability of their populations to gain access to information. And in the long term, I don't think it's going to fly. Yeah, I, I wish, I mean, I don't think it's going to be easy and I don't know how they're going to do it. Um, and I could see it failing in the future, but it's going to be a mess until it's going to be a hard fight. Um, they're going to do everything they can to implement this, and they are going to take their pound of flesh um, before it's ever given up. Yeah, I think it's going to hit. If they're talking about snippets of news, it's going to hit Facebook and Twitter harder than it hits Google. Google will just turn off Google News and those nations um, that are they're doing this. But Facebook trying to monitor people sharing a news article, and and if a site has implemented Open Graph, that should Honestly, if a site implements Open Graph, that, that should be, be fine. Yeah, that should yeah, be fine. That, it should be like explicit. Yeah, you have the you have the rights to use this Open Graph stuff. But they're talking about uh, even the stuff in Open Graph is that you add into the Open Graph the description of a page is more content than it's allowed in this. this well, page. I'm not sure they're saying that, but I mean, there's not a lot of detail here. But one thing that is for sure, and this is good because they did talk about links at one time. Remember? Oh, <laughs> I yeah. couldn't believe they were going for that. This is the directive does provide that quote unquote text links accompanied by in individual words can be shared freely without arranged licensing agreement. Unquote. Oh, how sweet of them. What do they mean by individual words? You can have a text link with one word or, I mean, if I have a sentence, the sentence is composed of individual words. I don't know what they mean by that. Uh, maybe this helps. Merely sharing hyperlinks to articles together with individual words to describe them will be free of copyright constraints. So to describe them, I guess 
just the text in the links? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to see. Um, again, it has to be approved by member nations. Um, the overall has been done, but uh, they do feel that it's likely going to go ahead. I, I just, uh, I'm stunned, um, the whole thing. Yeah, well, it's actually a really good segue into our first Mueller files, but but I find out you're, you're thinking about taking a break right now. <laughs> <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah. So let's take a quick break and we come back for some Mueller files. Uh, we'll talk again about GDPR. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Content Marketing World 2018 comes to Cleveland, Ohio, September 4th through the 7th. Learn more at contentmarketingworld.com. Content Marketing World 2018 is the one event where you will learn and network with the best and brightest in the content marketing industry. Content Marketing World will have over 120 sessions and workshops presented by the leading brand marketers and experts from around the world covering strategy, storytelling, ROI, demand generation, AI, and more. Leave Cleveland with all the materials you need to build a content marketing plan that will grow your business and inspire your audience. Save $100 off of registration using promo code radio 100. That's radio and the number 100. Don't miss Content Marketing World 2018 in Cleveland, Ohio, September 4th through the 7th. Register now at contentmarketingworld.com. The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for its 7th Annual International Mobile Web Award Competition. This award program is an opportunity for mobile developers to demonstrate their expertise in this growing medium. It recognizes the individual and team achievements of web professionals all over the world who create and maintain outstanding responsive and mobile websites and mobile applications. Deadline for entry is September 28, 2018. Submit your entry today at www.mobile-webaward.org. That's mobile-webaward.org. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, we can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Thanks to an exclusive private offer available for a very limited number of companies. But you must act fast. Email brasco at wmr.fm and get your message delivered now. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. So you take this next one then on GDPR. So, so this is where these things that the European Union are doing are having unexpected consequences, right? So we just talked about the whole copyright issue and GDPR is really the first, their first four-way, foray, foray For, into foray. this, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where where they, to, to protect people's rights, they, they put a lot of restrictions in place on, on what websites have to be able to do and not do to, to keep people's cookie information or their IP addresses, which affects analytics, there's all kinds of stuff. Well, a lot of the things that sites 
did to just to try to get away from being liable for all these rules that the European Union put in place is they just blocked traffic from from European Union countries. So major newspapers, um, if you were in um, Germany and you wanted to see a, a post on um, a major like Boston Globe, I think is one of them. Don't don't quote me on that, but say let's say it is. If you're in Germany, you want to see an article on Boston Globe. Boston Globe would put up a page that says, "Nope, we can't show you any content because of GDPR, and you're not, you know, we're not going to be liable." Whatever they have this big thing. Well, Google is now trying to figure out how to deal with this because they want information to be accessible for everybody, but people are blocking it because they don't want to be liable for these GDPR laws that the European Union put in place and the fines that, that possibly can be levied on them um, for not um, you know, staying in line with these laws. So they just block the traffic. Google, and, and I think this is all speculation, but Google is really seriously trying to figure out how to deal with this. And one of the options they have is to remove those pages from the index and those sites in particular. And I, I'm not sure if that's the right oh, I wouldn't say Google. For, oh, I wouldn't say for the index, just Re, re, uh, depends how you mean that. I mean, re, remove them from the results in those countries. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's the results being the index. Well, you're right. The index is separate from that, but you're right. Yeah. So, but what do you think? Is that a good solution for Google to do? I mean, what kind of ramifications does, does that have for the population of the, the people in the in the EU, right? Um, what's your thoughts on this? I think this is a kind of a tricky situation for everybody to be in. And it's going to get this, it's going to get just as tricky if this copyright thing that we talked about before the break goes into effect as well. If it's funny how we get to know a company so well, if, if I were Google, and I think this is one of the things they'll discuss, I would probably create two versions of the results um, once they dis determine which content is being blocked, because they still have to do that. But once they've done that, um, I would include one that is that's the standard without those in them, and then another one would just say with blocked sites, which they could click on and see the version of that because I, I, I they may have that. good content there, right? And that would give them a good indication of what they're missing. I could see them doing a filter, but not creating two actual sets of results. They could filter stuff because well, yeah, but like a filter, yeah. same concept, the same idea is filtered out, but then there's an option to enable it so you can see what you're being what you're actually missing because of GDPR. And I wonder if if, if, they can, if they can work it so if a user in in the in the EU clicks to see everything that's being blocked, if that's consent, you know, for those other companies, see, but mm, it, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work that way either because part of the part of the GDPR is that that user can also request a company to remove its any, any personal file, personally identifiable information that includes things like IP addresses. Just because your web server stores an IP address that you came from, um, that is covered under GDPR. And I have the right, if I was in Germany, to say, please remove my IP address from your server logs. Who, who can manage something like that? That's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's another discussion. But the one thing that the John Mueller had mentioned in this is that they, they realize this is a problem. It's not providing a good experience, but they really don't see a way to get around it yet because they can't index it from uh, content from on your site from multiple countries. It would just be overwhelming. You're, it would be just an absolute enormous engineering undertaking. It would be not worth a while, right? So they need to figure out some way to determine what's being blocked without having to do that. I think it should be a user 
um, uh, implemented. It should be uh, some sort of a check mark saying this is blocked or this was blocked. And as soon as they start to see enough of that, they'll know what content's being blocked. Yeah. It's the only way I can think of doing it simply, but I'm not as smart as them. So we'll see. Another, another, another interesting thing to watch. I wonder, I wonder what the overall thought process behind what the EU is doing is. I mean, I kind of understand that they just, they just don't like Google. <laughs> <laughs> they don't I'm seem not, to like innovation, but at least yeah, at the not, expense of any kind of privacy, which I get to a degree. Um, but also, does, yeah. they don't want innovation that's going to limit any of their existing businesses, and, and that's the part that is very delicate. I don't know how they can do that without limiting their entire uh, I don't know with lack of words here but their tech, technological space I mean it's it's huge I mean it's, it's if you if you consider the internet the the uh, international trade version of intellectual property right so you've got the you've got international trade with goods and, and things where people you know countries are trading goods back and forth all the time and I'm not going to get political but that happens all the time if you if you think about that with intellectual in information the internet's where that international trade happens and it seems like the, the the EU is trying to put huge restrictions on being able to have that free flow of information between um, countries and it's just it's it's just kind of nuts in my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know how they're going to deal with this, <clears throat> but uh, uh, it's certainly becoming a lot less attractive to do work do any kind of work in the EU. <laughs> yeah, for sure, absolutely. And, and that's got to have some some serious negative. Uh, it's got to have a rebound. It's it's going to hurt them. Yeah. Uh, I just I don't know how it's going to work out for them. If I were Google, I, I would just shut down news news for them. <laughs> But then they have to be mm -hmm. careful too. They don't want to lose out on on uh, particular income. So it, it would be a little easier if they weren't specifically public. Pub, you know, they weren't a public company, I guess. But yeah. Well, they're going to they're going to balance the revenue loss with the the cost of changing the way they operate, and the odds are that. Well, I just don't know enough to know if that revenue from just the European Union is enough to to, to make them put that investment in to keep it rolling. I don't know if it mm. is or not. Hmm. All right. So the next one, the next bit here is. Hmm? Let's go to something simpler and, and, and much, yeah. less, much, exactly. much, <laughs> much less brain draining. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of curious why this ever even came up. So you're the one who posted it, but it seems so simple. Well, it is. It's it's something that, that somebody asked John Mueller basically about the, well, let's, let's first let's say what this is. So having your company name in your title tag is not an issue and a lot of people do this you'll you'll put you'll put a, a brief description of the page and then you put some kind of separator and then you put the company name at the end of your title tag and that's been a practice for a long time and someone asked john basically um about it was about a plugin for wordpress that added the name on every single title page and they just basically asked if it was bad. It was an SEO 101 question that went to John and he said it wouldn't be bad assuming that the title has more than just the brand name. So as long as there's a description of the page there's absolutely no problem putting your brand at the end. And it made me think you know 
this is a show geared towards beginner SEOs, even though we hardly ever do beginner stuff anymore. But we need to throw it in every once in a while. This is a very beginner type question. Somebody asked John, and I thought you know, this would be a good thing for us to bring up as well. You can use the the, the, the name of your company in your in your title page in your title tag on every page of your website. That's not a problem, as long as you have other content in that title tag as well, describing the actual page. There we go. Okay. Um, you actually posted most of the Mueller files here, so yeah. I'll let you take this on one a, too. I was on a Mueller file uh, <laughs> <laughs> roll today. So it's really it kind of funny. Some, someone else asked John um, via Twitter if they had any kind of API because he wanted to check millions of domain names to see if any of them had manual actions. He wanted a tool or to create a tool to run through domain names to see if any of them had manual actions, which I thought was hilarious. And of course, John said, no, we don't support that at all. <laughs> <laughs> and why would they support that? <laughs> but but to me, it's like, it, it's the equivalent of saying, hey, John, I'm thinking about doing some really spammy black hat stuff. I was wondering <laughs> if you could help me figure out how to make sure I'm not going to step on my own toes. <laughs> it just It just didn't make sense. But if you if you're wanting to know, Google does not support the idea of checking for manual actions in bulks via millions of domains at a time. Uh, if you want to, and for for the basic SEO, if you do want to check for a manual action, basically make sure you have Webmaster Tools, i.e., Search Console set up. In there, there's there's a, a portion that will tell you for each domain that you set up whether there's. Uh, you know, I won't say it will tell you specifically whether there's a manual action. There's a manual action section that will tell you. There are still occasions where I'm seeing some people that will get a what seems to be a manual action, but it's not indicated in that, that, that um, Webmaster Tools section. But that's where they communicate that to you on a per-domain you know, basis. I never had to do it. Uh, I would hope that we'd have success with this, but I wonder if those people reached out directly to someone like John Mueller, whether or not they could get a clear answer whether or not they truly were hit by one. I would expect we pr they'd probably get, I'm just thinking on my feet here, but they'd probably get a Matt Cutts response of, hmm, yeah. why do you ask? What did you do wrong? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure there would be. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be nice if they said yes or no. I, but again, I'm always dreaming. <laughs> yeah. and it's actually kind of funny. We, we have the and we talk a lot about what John Miller says and a lot of questions he asks people. I saw a post in one of the Facebook groups I'm in for SEOs recently where someone basically just asked, he said, how many of you guys actually listen to and build strategy based on the information John Mueller publishes? And I'd say a good 70% of the people that responded to that were like, now we ignore him altogether, which I thought was just odd. It really was. Um, it, it goes to show that a lot of SEOs will base their their activities on their own experience rather than what Google's telling them. And I can see well, that. We, we've had problems with what Google says in the past, too. But John seems to be pretty on point most of the time. Yeah, no, he's been, he has been very good. Um, I think I think a lot of bigger companies have enough volume in business and they get enough data coming in of what works and what doesn't work that they can ignore Google to a degree. Um, to to degree. Again, you'd want to be sure you're watching for any hints. Uh, I don't think anyone would want to totally not listen to him. But now take what he says and putting it into application may be different if you, if if in house you see an entirely different result. Right. Exactly. That'd be fair. But um, smaller businesses um, like myself, I think we have to pay him a little more attention because um, you know we we're not 
we've got a lot of clients and yes, we see a lot of data, but it's also very hard for us to, to combine all that into um, insights on a regular basis, like a big company who has dedicated teams just doing that. <laughs> so we, we find it very helpful to hear what he has to say. Uh, we take everything with a grain of salt. Uh, we're looking at everything else as well. We've got subscriptions to other places that give us insights. Um, we also have, you know, um, powwows about what we're seeing uh, related to discuss what what we think is going to be the next bit. Anyway, I'm rambling, but that's it, it isn't so simple, I think. No, I agree. I agree. All right. We cannot index pages that require cookies. That seems like a no-brainer too, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's something we've known for a long time, but it's a good reminder. Occasionally, these kind of things pop up. Um, Google... If, if a page requires a cookie to load, Google's not going to be able to index that page. It, you know, they can, they can read cookies, they can understand cookies, but if it requires the page, if it's required for a page to load, they're not gonna be able to index it. So just, just another reminder, it's kind of basic. Um, we've, we've been through it, it's been that way for many years, but just, it came up again, so we thought we would bring it up just to remind everybody don't make cookies a specific requirement for a page to load. Use cookies all you want, but be careful how you use them. Yeah, can you think of instances where that would be necessary? I can't off the top of my head. I, it's been so long since I've seen anything like that in, in real time. I can't even remember what I, when, I've, when I've seen it in the past, what it was being used for. Yeah. I've seen I've, it was a long time ago. I've seen that people use it that way, but now there's so many ways around the from a pro, pro, from a programmatic standpoint in the way people build web pages. There's ways around the, the 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 fact that a cookie was required in the past to do a certain thing. There's better ways to do it today than there was in the past. So I think having to do that is is pretty much a moot point anymore. If 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 a cookie's being required, there's probably some questions you need to ask your developer on why they're doing that. Uh, yeah. Isn't there, isn't there a better way to get it done? And if, again, I'd love to see an example where it has to be done, but <clears throat> if it does have to be done, you're just having to accept the fact you can be losing a lot <laughs> of yeah. interest to those pages. And, and you don't need it in search. And that's fine. It probably isn't a big deal. But you're also going to lose a lot of potential people because many people have privacy integrated into their browsers. They don't even accept cookies, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be a fallout like you won't believe. Yeah, um, my, my gut feeling is there's probably advertising applications or um, features that people want to use in a website that require them because they want that information. It's it's more of a desire than a, a necessity. And you just and if it's something that you really want to have happen and you have to have those cookies, realize that, okay, you're, you're, you can get this done, but you're going to lose a lot if you do it that way. There you go. Okay, well, let's uh, take a quick break. We're going to come back and answer a couple of great community questions. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. 
TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. You are now tuned in to the world's largest online radio podcast network for internet marketers looking to dominate the B2B marketplace. WebmasterRadio.fm WebmasterRadio.fm is home to some of the most respected authorities in all aspects of internet marketing, from SEO to affiliate marketing to social media, e-commerce, mobile marketing, and so much more. Our hosts travel to all stretches of the world and speak to the impact players that are affecting our industry on air on demand and available on every mobile device that you can imagine this is webmasterradio.fm webmasterradio.fm we're everywhere Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. All right, so question number one from Brian Reich. Uh, Reich, I hope that's how you say it, Brian. Um, the topic is, did I screw up? Oh, I love this one. I read this yesterday. <laughs> can, can, can I give a hint? Yeah, yeah, sure. You did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I might have a different spin on it. Not necessarily that he did, but yeah. Anyway, here's the, here's the, uh, the question. I don't quote a lot of SEO work. Recently, a local business contacted me to help them with their SEO. They had previously paid someone on Fiverr to do an <laughs> SEO audit. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean that. Hence, they screwed up to begin with. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> they contacted me because I'm a local and we were looking for a and and we're looking for a second opinion. I spent the better part of a day building a report which I presented as a quote to make the recommended changes. Uh, that's where I think he did script a little bit, but we'll see. The, the prospective client essentially came back and said, "Why would I pay you to do these things I can do in a few minutes?" Is this prospect just a a hole? <laughs> Am I a fool or both? <laughs> I'm left feeling like. I'm left feeling like I'm being treated the audit as discovery or as a loss leader to get the hourly work that was truly a dumb idea. In the future, I guess I need to treat the audit as the product. And yes, 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 and yes, yes. That's exactly how I do it too. We do not do that anymore. Back in the old days when, um, frankly, we were hungry, we might have done things like that, but it was quickly obvious that it was not working. And we had that exact same instance where we get people who's giving us attitude and they decide, well, whatever you just said is so simple. But what they don't realize is all the things you scanned that they didn't even think of looking at. 
Um, and that's why an audits are paid for. And I don't think you screwed up so much, Brian, as you went a little bit too far. Because yeah. an, an audit is is something that should be paid for. I, I absolutely agree with, agree with you, Ross. It's, it's a product that you should sell. But in a discovery phase, there's a lot to be said. It's showing a client some things where they have issues and even some things where they're doing well. Mm-hmm. You know, usually when I'm in a discovery phase with a prospect, I will, uh, if it's the first time talking to them before I get on the call, I will go look at their site and I'll find one or two, maybe even three talking points where I see some things that they can improve on. I won't do a full blown audit, but I'll say, hey, look, I looked at your site before we got on the call. Here's a few things that I think you need some help with where you can improve on. And you have that conversation and it helps, it helps build their trust in you that you know what you're talking about and and it gives them a reason to 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 hire you to go on and do the rest of the work yeah i do all the sales for step four still i love doing the sales and i know i get to a good result um i know i've had (laughs) on a side note i've had um uh, business uh, i want to say counselors but advisors to say what are you doing you should be doing more of the other stuff. But the fact is, I love it. I, I, I think I, I'm good at it, and I like talking to people. And when I get these issues, I do give stuff. But it's it's more like, okay, this is wrong. This is wrong. Let me show you why. And you need to do a few things to fix this up. Um, let's say they have some significant page speed issues. Well, here's a place where you can get this intel. But implementing it is not as simple as it sounds. And we can help you with that. But also there are bound to be other issues that we just can't see at this point. We have like an X amount of a number of, of points in our checklist that we go through. Um, we're covering everything. We're not leaving a stone unturned. And frankly, that's what they want to hear. They want to know that you're doing something and that um, they're going to be well looked after, that ultimately they're going to have something they can apply. And it's not just a lead to get more work. In our case, we say that whatever audits we create are portable. You do not need to use this for any implementation whatsoever. It is completely detailed. It's got everything they need. So hoping that helps you. That's the kind of thing that I think really does help people. And a lot of the companies I've, or a lot of clients I've dealt with have come from companies who've done audits, but it's clearly just a sales pitch that they got paid for. That's not us. That's not what you want to present. You want to present more of a solution that they can take and it will have an impact on their their bottom line, a positive one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've been the same way you are, Ross. I've always done it the exact same thing. An audit is a standalone um, product, and the person should be able to take that product and get some value out of it. So I always make sure to include, here's here's what we analyzed, here's why it's important, here's what we found. If there's an issue, this is how you address it. And we give them that. And a lot of times I've had many clients say, oh, thanks, and go away and try to implement those things from the audit themselves. But almost universally, they always come back. They'll hit a brick wall, and they'll not—they won't know what to do. But what they'll know is who gave them the information in the first place. They will come back and they'll say, "Please help us fix this." Yeah, it's they'll, a big trust builder, and it's and it's mm-hmm. it's legitimate. You're really building trust because you did a good job, um, and, and then hopefully it begins a, a good, strong relationship. Um, that's that's how I like to look at it, anyway. Yep. Anyway, I hope that helps. I, again, I don't think you made it mis- like you screwed up, I, that, but, you know, but I do think that what you did is not the best way to go about it. And uh, I hope that uh, you have better success next time. All right. So the next question is from, um, and I know I always screw this up. I, I used to feel like I do, but um, Advate Tom Childers, um, one of our, our regular uh, uh, 
participants on our community forum, which is great. Thank you very much for being there. Um, he says here, um, sorry, what, John? No, no, I was just gonna say we could just start calling him Tom for short and then- Yeah, let's just do that, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> John, um, quote unquote, I have some image gallery pages on my site. Right now, I title the images using the format convention, name, comma, city, comma, state. That's all in quotes. My boss wants to retitle all the images to the format name dash city dash state. Uh, again, I quote, my gut feeling is that the name city state format with the commas is easier for the average person to read and thus is better for SEO. My guess is the Google ranking algos would prefer name comma city comma state. Your thoughts on this? Thanks. <laughs> What's your first impulse? My first impulse is I have a question. When you're talking about um, the image format, are you talking about the image file name? Or are you talking about the alt attribute of the image? I think, and tell me if you agree, Ross, I think you're talking about the file name but for the image. Which um, hyphens would make sense for. Which hyphens would make sense for, but and commas wouldn't, which is why I'm not sure, because you really wouldn't want to put a comma in a file name. Yeah. Um, but if it's the alt attribute text, um, in, either, <laughs> in either case, the commas wouldn't the commas wouldn't work as a as a file name, so you would want dashes. But if it's alt attribute text, I don't believe personally that it's worth all the effort to go back and change it. It's not going to make that much of a difference, if if any difference at all, to the search engines. And, no. and it's going to yeah. take you time and effort to do it that you could probably spend doing something that have more impact on your site. No, I would definitely not make the change on on if it's an alt attribute. Um, However, if he wants to make the change for file names, yes, and you used commas, definitely do that. Um, that there's no question in my mind. I don't even think, do, I can't remember. This is funny because I don't think I've done it in so long. Do they even allow you to have commas in file names? I don't believe so. No. That's why I was thinking, yeah. That's why I think, I don't think it's a file name situation. Um, hmm. but, I, but, I, but I would ask the question just to make sure. Yeah, so Tom, if you want to post something on that as a follow-up uh, based on our answer, that'd be great. He, well, he, he does say at one point that the boss wants to retitle the images, so that kind of goes me back goes back to the idea of okay, maybe it is the alt attribute or the title attribute of an image. And again, in either case, I don't think it's worth the effort to, to spend the time and resources to do that, even if it's only a couple dozen. It's not going to have any impact from a search perspective. Yeah, I would think it actually hurts. I don't see why a hyphen would be any benefit at all. Yeah. Uh, if not, it might confuse things in, in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that's it. On behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions you would like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our Google Plus community page, easily found by searching SEO 101 Podcast on Google. Have a great week, and remember to tune into future episodes, which are at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.